Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters, coming to you to talk about all kinds of things surrounding your money, how to make it, grow it, bend it, how to use it to get what you want. Today's topic is how to use some of it to, you know, think about like your social dollars and how you might spend them and also how you might spend your time. You know, people say to me all the time, you know, it's funny. I mean, being in the financial advice business, I've been talking to people about their goals and their plans and their dreams for more than a quarter of a century. And one of the things that's like an overwhelming theme, people say to me, when I give up my day job, I'm going to go start a charity or I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to give up some of my time. I'm going to try to go find some way to give it back. And what I'll say to you is sadly, for the amount of people who say to me that this is what they want to do, it's actually a fairly small percentage of people that actually find a good way to do that. So we have a charity in New Hampshire, Casa of New Hampshire, which is a court-appointed special advocates. It's a charity where all the work is done for the benefit of children in the community that need somebody to represent them and speak for them in court. Not a lawyer, not a, you know, not a police officer, but somebody that actually works with a child and thinks about things from their side. So I thought I'd ask somebody who actually did it to talk to us a little bit about what it takes to form a charity, what it takes to drive and make a big change in their community, and also how people that maybe can't make the kind of a big, huge change might be able to still influence things and help in some way that makes sense. So Marty Sink is the founder of CASA of New Hampshire. And so she began this back in 1988. She was serving as a foster parent for a foster child. And then ultimately, she realized that she had no ability to help them with a voice in court or in any way be able to support them in, in any of the legal issues that they were having. So she started looking around. So she founded Cost of New Hampshire based on bringing the Seattle-based concept of providing volunteer court advocates for victimized children to New Hampshire. Now, a lot has happened since 1988, but she's worked incredibly hard. She's had a strong vision, and she's grown this very significant nonprofit coordinating 500 volunteers every year who spend about 70,000 hours a year working in the best interests of the children that they represent, which are about 1,300 children annually, which is a lot of children. I mean, we all know that, I think in some way, we all understand that there are many children that need to be represented and need to have a voice, but that the, you know, again, the opiate crisis and things like that has made this risk so much greater than it ever was before. But so imagine this woman who just decides she's going to go figure it out. Now, you know, this being a lot of years later, the reality is she's figured out lots of things since then. And she has a large group 
who work within the district and family courts all over the state and are really recognized strongly by the state as providing a, a resource that, you know, frankly, the kids would not get a resource like this if it weren't for people like Marty who committed both her time, her focus, and her energy. So, Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Katie. Happy to be here. So we talked a little bit before the before the call. One of the things people always say to me is, I'm going to start a charity. I'm going to figure this thing out and do some really good thing like the thing that you've done. So tell me a little bit about how hard it was, how difficult it was, and what you didn't know when you started along the process. Absolutely. There was a lot I didn't know. And I did I didn't know what I didn't know till till I really got into it. Um, it started, as you said, I was a foster parent and became very much aware of children who were in that system that truly didn't have a voice. At that time, back in the in the late 80s and early 90s, most children who entered our court system, because they were victims of child abuse and neglect, were appointed a guardian ad litem, who in those days was an attorney. Unfortunately, these attorneys had enormous caseloads, and many of the children who were in foster care never got to know who these, who their guardian litem was, or the guardian litem didn't get to know their children or the family, the foster family that they were placed with. And it, to be honest with you, it, it really bothered me that there was no one that was truly paying attention to the welfare of these children and giving them that critical voice in the courtroom. And it was really, truly a fault of our system, just a sheer, the sheer volume of cases and, and so few participants in it. So I became aware of the CASA program and, and it happening in other states around the country. I called the 800 number because I wanted to become a CASA in New Hampshire after reading this article in Parade Magazine back in the day. And I called and said, where in New Hampshire are you? I want to become a CASA volunteer. And they said, well, New Hampshire doesn't have a program yet, so but wouldn't you be interested in getting one started? Uh, little, little did I know what I was getting myself into. But nonetheless, they really, the national office based in Seattle sort of guided me along the way and helped me work out those first, those first steps to getting a nonprofit created. It was an enormous amount of work, enormous amount of work. And I had my background, my degree was in English and I had done some retail management work and some restaurant work. So I, I was not a lawyer. I was not a social worker. I didn't have that background or experience, but I did have a passion. And yes, passion is certainly part of it. And I was willing to sort of walk into this unknown world and figure out how to do this because I knew there was a need. From there. Wow. Yeah. So you had all the skills necessary to run a great big nonprofit when you started this. Oh, not not even yeah. close. <laughs> not okay. even close. But one of the most important things I think is is to surround yourself with people who do different people who do have some of the expertise that you might not have at that time and in that stage of development of an organization and rely on others with, again, with similar passion and interest and experience to help you sort of move the ball along. You know, it's funny because I was looking at your website. And so, you know, for those of you who have a chance to go visit Casa of New Hampshire website and you look at Marty's awards over the years, what you'll see is you know me, I love a hardworking woman, hence the hardworking <laughs> woman spends money. But literally, there's like some kind of recognition or award from a group or a different group pretty much every single year from 1994 onward. So all the way along, it's the idea of learning and expanding and learning and expanding. It's, you know, all you have to do is look at your accolades to see 
that this has been true for your entire path? Well, it's, it's been it's been an incredible journey. It's been a lot of hard work, but I also have the incredible privilege of working with some amazing, amazing people, both staff and our volunteers, and also working for an amazing an amazing purpose, just knowing that the difference that we're making in children's lives every day is truly going to alter their future. And that's, that's really what keeps you going. Well, and I'll tell you, that's the thing that got me involved in your charity was just how impactful it was to, to kids, the, the most at-risk children in the community, which was the idea that, you know, somebody was actually talking with these kids and, rep, you know, going to court with them and making sure that they that their voices were being heard as well. Cause I just think that people, professionals kind of doing the work always means they're doing the best they can and they're doing all the legal things that they're supposed to do, but sometimes they're just not hearing them. I think that our advocates, yeah, they go into the advocates step into this role. They don't have an agenda. They're not a trained social worker. They're not a lawyer. They come into it because they want to make a difference in, in a child's life. And I think they very quickly find out what a difference it makes in their own lives. I mean, we have advocates that have been with us for 10, 15, 20 years and who keep coming back for more and articulate over and over again how meaningful this work is, how they know they're making a difference in children's lives, but what it, it does for them, them themselves and their own lives and how they look at the world differently with a different lens when they dig down in the trenches with some of these families and children who are in such a dire place and really give of their time and resources to alter that, that trajectory for them. And so along the way, as this organization started to grow, you set, you set aside some principles, kind of guiding principles about how you were going to screen to find the right candidates, how you were going to provide the right level of training. Because I think that, you know, I can remember thinking, oh my God, you're going to go to court with somebody. You're going to engage with you know, kids, how many cases are you going to have? How big is it going to be? How many hours is it going to be? And I think people don't get involved because they don't realize that they can target their effort, if you will. So one of the things I was really interested in when I, when I read your information was that the, the caseworkers only have one or two cases in a year. It's not like, you know, they're carrying around 10 people's files trying to figure it out. They're not social workers. They're really point of contact for, for kids to, to be a resource for them. That's right. And and I think we're that's really important because these are volunteer advocates. They have other lives. This isn't a full-time job for them. But it also gives them the privilege of really being able to focus solely on just one or two families and the children uh, that they're advocating for. They're not sort of stepping into the role of a big brother, big sister. That's a very unique and different role where, you know, kids get taken out to for pizza or to ball games or bowling. Um, the CASA volunteer has a very different relationship with a child and it is one of advocacy and, and trying to, to get to know these children so that they can better inform the court because ultimately the court is the final decision maker. We make recommendations to the court, but we don't sort of have the ability to make those, those final recommendations on on what happens to these children. So it's a very different, unique role. And it is one that, you know, stepping into a courtroom and and standing up in front of the judge and articulating what you think is in the best interest of these children, it's not an easy thing to do for a lot of people. It can, you know, be a little intimidating, but they do it and they do it well because in the back of their mind or sitting beside them in that courtroom is that child 
uh, who they have a responsibility to. Nice. So I always say to my retire, my people getting ready to retire, especially my whatever, too many, the too many jobs driven type A people. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you can only spend so much time on your boat, right? Or you can only spend so much time in your garden. Um, what will you do to keep yourself engaged in the community? And I always think about organizations like yours is a great way for somebody to feel like they're doing something that makes a real difference and impacts somebody's life. But behind the scenes, there's a whole lot of things that go on. And so in a charity, there's, you know, you have to train these people, you have to coordinate with the court systems. There's a lot of pieces moving along. This is a much bigger operation than I'm sure it was when you started it out. So tell me a little bit about how you grew and how it grew and how you kept yeah. up with that. Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that we were proud of is that we grew slowly. We grew slowly and carefully as, well, some of it was, was not by design, but because of resources. So, but we did grow slowly and we grew as money and resources were available, but also so that we, as, as courts became familiar with the use of lay people in this role, it's, it's a, it was a very different way of, of sort of interact for the, for our courts to interact with, with the guardians at light. I mean, they had been attorneys up until that point. And now there was this shift in using lay people. So, you know, some of our judges were a little reluctant, you know, can, can lay people really do this work? This is tough stuff. Yeah. And others were delighted and wonderfully accommodating immediately saying, I need this information. I'm not getting enough information. I really don't know who these kids are. And I have to make these profound decisions about their futures. So they were much more um, willing to sort of allow the CASA to enter the courtroom. But we grew slowly and we grew carefully and we were always reflecting back on and evaluating how we were doing what we were doing so that we could constantly be improving a our service delivery to the courts and and to these the, to the children that we that we serve. So we grew slowly, methodically, and continued to grow with with different expertise on our boards of board of directors, uh, on our with our staff. And uh, it's been it's been an incredible journey. But it's been a really great journey and one that has a wonderful history and and a good solid reputation in the state for its integrity. Uh, that's really important to me, integrity and our professionalism. Um, but our volunteers own these cases. I mean, these are the, the volunteers are the GALs and our staff support them and guide them and coach them through this process. I know I went to like a volunteer recognition award night uh, maybe two or three years ago. And I remember just and they were just they were everyday people like everyone else, people from yeah. all walks of life. Right. But they all had that one passion in common that they were there to, you know, to really make an impact with the time that they wanted to volunteer. I mean, it's not that there's not an impact to other ways that you might donate your time, but that this was, you could, you know, you could draw a straight line to the child that you were helping. And it was really empowering for them to be right. able to have this kind of influence. Right. And they're, they're gathering information, you know, and this, as you mentioned earlier, the opioid crisis in New Hampshire has just had a, a staggering impact on on so many families in the state. And as a result of that, so many more children now are coming into our court system because their parents just can't adequately provide for them while they're, you know, while there's sub substance misuse going on in the home. So uh, some of these kids that we're seeing now have witnessed parents overdosing, have witnessed parents dying in front of them and are living in this, in this turmoil every day. Um, and it's a different, it's a different, 
situation. It's, you know, we work very hard at reunification. Let's try to get this family put back together again and get them the resources that they need so they can resolve the issues that were going on that brought them to the attention of the court to begin with. And, and then continue to support them um, so that these kids can safely go home if they've been removed or so that mom has the tools that she needs to be able to provide for her three children as a single parent who's gone through domestic violence or, or substance abuse issues. So the cases, the complexion of what we're doing has changed um, to a certain extent. But the bottom, you know, the sort of the core mission is still there. And our advocates come from all walks of life, as you said, and they're retired professionals and they're, they're, you know, active workers now. And the, you know, it's, so it's, it's a wide range of, of folks that, um, that sort of raise their hand and say, I, I want to do this. I want to give back in this really meaningful and powerful way. That is just fantastic. I almost want to end it there, but here's what I'll say to you. I was reading a booklet about your organization and there was a piece in it that talks about it takes heart. And so the last the last couple of lines of here, I think, are just so salient to your conversation and your mission. It's uh, not a single one of us has the power to change these children's past, or what they've seen and what they've suffered. Every one of us has the power to change their future. Mm-hmm. And and I think to myself, you know, that's really your mission is so clear and so vivid that I'm sure that's part of what's made all of this work so successful. Because I just think it's it must have been incredibly difficult along the way to keep building this, making it bigger and broader and bigger and broader. And I know that there's a whole financial commitment and where, you know, how you raise the money to run the charity. And I think that that is, you know, a whole nother piece without that, you can't do all the things that you're doing, but it's of course not your first mission, but tell me a little bit about how you've approached raising money for your mission, like how you did it in the beginning and how it's evolved, maybe just kind of broad brush strokes. Well, as a nonprofit, uh, you know, constant you're constantly in that fundraising mode, and uh, but we have a very diverse funding base, and I think that's helped us survive some lean years. You know, 2008, 2009 were really challenging years, and our individual donor support sort of fell away. But we have funding that comes through the through the state. We have some federal dollars that get passed through and and then we do fundraising events and we rely heavily on corporate support as well as individual we have very generous individual donor support but over the years you know you learn you learn how to be an effective fundraiser too i didn't come into right. that with come into this with that skill set but um it's like anything in sales right if you're if you believe in your product which That's right. which we all do. Um, you're going to be able to be effective as a as a salesperson for the organization or for for whatever that might be. So we've we've limped along at times. It it, it truly hasn't been easy. We started with five thousand dollars, and uh, now our budget is a little over two million to serve you know those fourteen hundred kids every year and support five hundred volunteers or part time employees. I I call them. Yes. <laughs> wow. So, so you've done a lot of things, but one of the things I've noticed about your organization is there's, there is always something going on. There is some way to engage and help and support or participate all the time. And I think that's part of the Casa Magic around the fundraising, if you will, is that, that you always have these different kinds of ways that people can get involved and learn more about your organization. Because when people learn more and if they care about kids, they want to help. 
and you guys are always looking for those different kinds of ways. So one of the things I think, you know, if you're thinking about, all right, you're interested, you're taking some notes, you're thinking, you know, I could do this. Wow, she started with a small amount of money. But one of the other things you said is you get really good at, you know, asking for the help that you need Mm -hmm. and finding different ways to ask for the help you need and not being, you're not asking the money for yourself. You're asking the money for your, for your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't, this isn't about a check for you. This is about a check for them. And so that you just go right at it and that that's all part of it. So if you're out there thinking, I'm going to start a charity and I'm going to raise some money and it's like, you know, you don't just throw up a GoFundMe page and call it a day. You actually have to really figure out how you're going to do this, especially if you want to run a charity that's going to be impactful over a number of years. You have to really, you have to always be at that. Yeah, it's it's about building relationships, right? Um, in in everything that we do, and and being um, true to your to your message, and being honest and transparent, um, which we which we are. Um, but we have yeah, we have a whole host of of events every year that some are being done on our behalf. We have a road race coming up in Portsmouth. Uh, we have um, a big gala event next spring that we do annually. So. We have a food truck event and a um, a beer tasting event. So yeah, it's, we're sort of all over the place, and um, but that's fun, and it's also an opportunity to not just raise money, but raise raise awareness about the children that we serve and and our mission, and recruiting additional volunteers. Perfect. So Marty, if people mm-hmm. wanted to find out about becoming a CASA volunteer, mm-hmm. or about potentially making a Tax deductible, hear me people, tax deductible charitable contribution to a really great charity. How would they find your organization and get involved? The best place to start is our website, and that's that's simply casanh.org. And on our website, you will see the different um, paths to get you where you want to find out more information about becoming a volunteer. We have an online application uh, that can be filled out and, and sent to our office. We have our fundraising activities there as well, as well as a, a, a donor page where you can actually make a contribution online. It's nice and easy and pretty um, self-explanatory. So I would encourage people, if they want any more information, to go to our website. And then on the website would be, you know, for additional information, contact our office. And we have our main office in Manchester, New Hampshire. And then we have six additional offices, small offices scattered around the state. So um, lots of sort of local availability as well. Very good. I'll make sure all of that gets in the show notes for you listeners so that you can just tag on it if you want to. And uh, Marty, any parting words for the Money Matters audience? Um, No, but it's just been a pleasure to be able to spread the word this way. And I want to thank you, KT, for the opportunity. I would encourage folks who are listening, if they have any inkling about wanting to make a difference in the life of a child in a very uh, unique and, and direct way, this is one way of doing that. There are other amazing organizations out there as well doing extraordinary work of on behalf of children. So, you know, as I don't mean to be corny, but we, it takes a village and to really help some of these kids get through um, some of the most horrific things imaginable that they've experienced as, as young ones. And we all need to do our part to try to set them on a path that's going to lead to a healthy and happy future. 
That's right. Because it's the reality is if we don't help them, there really isn't anyone else. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Marty, thanks again for spending time with me today. Money Matters listeners, if you're thinking about starting a charity or adding on to a charity or volunteering for a great organization like Casa of New Hampshire, or you know, if you find yourself in need of where you'll make a tax-deductible charitable contribution this year, you should know I picked Casa of New Hampshire, and you might too. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.